Hi, welcome to Behind the Confidence Smile. I am your host, Bianca Cotton, and today I am joined by the lovely Rachel Stewart. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I am all smiles now, but let me preface this with this is a deep topic. Today, we are talking about the sudden loss of a parent. Rachel lost her mom at the age of nine. Rachel... One, thank you for allowing us to open that chapter of your life today. And I want to know from you, going back to your early childhood, your earliest memory of your mother. Ooh, that's a good one. (laughs) Um, I I have a very vivid memory of my childhood. Um, So many great memories. So... Probably paper dolls were a thing, mm. you know, it was early dolls. 90s. Um, and yes. uh, yeah, so playing paper dolls and I was the only child back then. And so, um, yeah, playing paper dolls and being around my mom and my dad and um, just so many just activity. My mom and I did a lot of activity. She was a stay at home mom. And so we did everything together. Wow. How did it feel doing everything together with your mom? It was amazing. Um, I it could be irritating sometimes because you know when you got the classroom mom and you have like like you gotta be here for everything, Every especially from acting up and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Girl Scouts, classroom, field trips. She was just always there. We always were going places, and so it was great. I mean, I just had a, a constant best friend. Mm, that's beautiful. A constant best friend. Mm-hmm. It's not too many people who would say that about their mom. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine what that moment was like um, when your mother passed. Yeah. So do you remember that moment when you were told that your mother had passed? Like, where were you? So it's a little bit traumatic. I was the one who found her actually. Mm. Um, so I went to school that morning and, you know, actually I was going to stay home from school, but I think God probably protected me in that sense. Um, went to school, came back, couldn't find my keys. <laughs> I was like trying to get in the house and everything. Um, and yeah, we lived in a, on the third floor, walked up. Um, my brother was actually there with her. He was two at the time. And, um, yeah, got into the house and unfortunately, you know, she was on the floor. So I was trying to like rouse her and everything. Um, my uncle stayed in the building. So had him um, call the ambulance and my dad. Uh, well, he beeped my dad because again, it was, oh, yeah, the, it was the, the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> he um, he beat my dad and we we're trying to get him, you know. Um, so yeah, I will never forget that day. How did you feel in that moment when you were trying to wake your mom up? Mm. I mean, I think it was just an out-of-body experience. It was a lot of shock, you know, and, of course, fear um, and trying to also, like, make sure my brother was okay, you know, because he's a baby. Um, But I think also, as I think back on it, a level of preparation. Um, My mom had some health complications, nothing that I knew was going to be that serious, but she would always tell me, like, if you ever, you know, something happens, call 911 or do the thing. So I knew, like, how to, you know, um, do the responsible things in a lot of situations. My mom prepared me for life so very young. Um, But, yeah, it was just an out-of-body experience. Wow. Wow. So 
just sitting with that, right, as a nine-year-old girl, do you remember, like, what happened after that, or is it a blur? No, very vivid. Wow. <laughs> um, it was, so after the paramedics came, eventually my dad wound up getting there. My dad went to the hospital. I don't remember who dropped me off at my aunt's house. might have been my dad, um, but I got dropped off at his sister's house. And I remember then I was sitting at her kitchen table doing math homework. Hate math. And so that made me, you know, dislike <laughs> it even more. Um, but was doing math homework. I heard my aunt get a phone call and kind of say, oh, how old was she? And so immediately I knew. Um, and then my aunt kind of told me, like, you know, I'm sorry, your mom passed. And that was kind of it. You know, there wasn't like a comfort. I don't even remember if she gave me a hug. Like, I just remember crying. Looking down at that math homework and being like, okay, well, I'm not going to do this, you know, anymore. Um, and I think I just laid down or something. I know we stayed at my aunt's house for a few days, but, um, yeah, it was – after that, it becomes a little bit of a blur of the things. Um, but that – I definitely just remember kind of the lead up to the confirmation, mm. you know, that she was gone. Wow. Hmm. I can only imagine what – it was like to go back to school the next day. Well, I and, didn't go back the next day. But you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. after, like you returned yeah. and your world is totally different. Mm -hmm. And now your family that you once knew of is no longer. Yeah. How did you deal with that? It was a journey. Um, mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of uncertainty. Like sometimes... Not knowing, like, okay, we're going to be at my, I know we stayed at my grandma's house for a little bit, um, but my dad was working all the time. My mom was home with me all the time. So he had to really reconfigure what life looked like um, and who was going to take care of us. Um, I can credit him now that he really made an effort to make sure we were going to be taken care of and he wanted to keep us around. Um, so, you know, definitely salute to him for trying to figure it out with two young children because he really wasn't like that. He was the fun parent, but not necessarily the, we're, I'm raising you <laughs> parent, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just a completely new normal trying to figure out, you know, how to dress myself, how to do my hair, how to, you know, completely do things at, you know, nine, nine is so young. Right. Wow. So, in your, we discussed this uh, prior to this interview, as you were in your teenage years, there was a breakdown within your family mm -hmm. um, when you were 14, yeah. uh, where you were moved or uh, pushed uh, out yeah. of your home. Can you talk a little bit more about that experience? Yeah. So to rewind it a little bit, mm -hmm. I had a stepmother who came in. She moved in a month after my mom's funeral. Um, so that was a very again, jarring thing. I had met her very recently, <laughs> so I didn't really know her. She started living with us. Um, and again, in hindsight, I know my dad really needed somebody to take care of my brother because he was two, you know. Um, but we just did not gel well. Um, we got into conflict a lot. Um, we argued a lot. And so it just got to a point where I just was miserable, was reaching out to my family. My family came to do an intervention. My mom's family came to do an intervention, and my dad was like, y'all can take her then. So it was like a literally not planned at all, pack whatever you can real quick, and then go. And not knowing where I was supposed to go, um, who I was going to live with, anything. Um, and that was when I was 14, and thankfully one of my mother's sisters wound up taking me in um, and 
I lived with her. She's, I mean, I still consider her my mother and call her mom and everything. Um, and I moved in with her family when I was 14. Wow. When you think, like, reflect on that moment now in your adulthood, what comes up for you? Ooh. Um, I think I wish that the conversation would have happened. But I also realized mm-hmm. I think my dad probably felt a lot of fear um, about maybe being blamed or um, not really wanting the confrontation that maybe he was doing something wrong or wasn't in control of the situation. Um, But I think that conversation could have been so helpful of just like, hey, this is what's going on with Rachel. These are the things that we can create a community to help with. Um, But that conversation, you know, just didn't happen. So I know it was originally in the plan for me to, if anything ever happened to my mom, for me to go to the sister that I went with. Um, I found that out as an adult. But again, I still, you know, I didn't know back then. And I I just knew that, like, I just wanted to be wanted wherever I was at. And during this time, did you ever receive grief counseling or anyone try to talk you through kind of I remember uh, we had a family friend who was a reverend and so Mm. I sat down with her but it was very like one time you know Mm. Um, I had family talk to me but I even back then I learned how to put on a protective shell very very quickly um, where I was just like I'm fine you know I'm I'm adjusting fine I'm the you know and so I don't think really people understood or even I understood the depth of my grief back then you know Mm -hmm. I pretty much just you know I was Susie Sunshine to everybody everybody called me you know oh you're this little ray of sunshine and I felt that was the role I had to take on and so I really didn't let a lot of people see my grief and I didn't probably start dealing with it until my 20s um, of recognizing Mm -hmm. like hmm you never really processed that so in that moment in your 20s, what led you to that place? Having a child. So I had ah. um, my daughter when I was 21, and I was like, holy crap, I don't know. What <laughs> what does this look like? You know, because most people, they have their mothers around, right, to go through pregnancy and to go through, you know, the uh, initial phases. And I just remembered, like, I don't have what everybody else has. You know, I don't have a mom who's going to come stay with me after I leave the hospital. I don't have a mom who's going to be in the delivery room with me. Um, And it was very isolating. And so, again, it was just like, I think that's when I really realized, like, okay, something's different and I need to process everything that I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And what did that process look like? (laughs) It was a a long process for sure. Um, But I think it was just, that honestly probably didn't happen till when I was like 30. <laughs> um, so another, you know, maybe 10 years later um, it, when I was pregnant with my second child and I was like, I, I turned 30, I was pregnant with my second child and I was like, once again, I don't have a mother figure around. Mm-hmm. Um, and my former mother-in-law and I had just kind of stopped talking and I was like, I'm doing this alone all over again. And I, re- I realized I needed a village. And so I was very intentional about talking to, I have a cousin who is my mother's best friend. And so talking to her and trying to say, I don't have to do this alone. So what does this look like to create a different experience? Mm, you don't have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want I want you to talk to that little girl, mm-hmm. right? The nine-year-old you, the 14-year-old you, and even the 20-year-old you. What would you tell them now? Mm, that's a great question. Um, 
I see you and you're wanted. You know, I think those were the things that they really needed to hear. Mm. So in your work, because I know you're a therapist, Mm -hmm. well, one of your professions, (laughs) (laughs) do you work with clients that have similar backgrounds or are they gravitated um, towards you because of your your personal experiences? Probably. I mean, I do have a lot of clients who have dealt with very severe losses um, Mm -hmm. and loss comes in so many different forms. You know, so whether it was loss of a relationship, loss of an actual person, loss of a role maybe that they once held. And so I do find that I can really connect with those clients on a very deep basis because that's been my lived experience, you know, in a lot of different areas of my life. Right. That was that was my question. Like, how does like your profession, how has it been informed by your lived experience? Mm -hmm. And as you continue to unpack grief and loss. Yeah. Um, I think it helps me to have obviously a level of empathy of knowing, you know, when you kind of feel like I don't know what what comes next. Mm -hmm. You know, I've lost a parent. um, I've had a divorce. I've, you know, lost really significant relationships in my life. And so real, I've been in that experience where it's like, I have no clue the next step. I don't know where to start. And sometimes the starting place is just telling someone that, you know, and I Mm -hmm. think that's what therapy is for a lot of people is I have never voiced some of these things before. And now I have a voice to talk about the things that have happened to me and who I am because of those experiences, but also who I want to be because of those experiences. That's good. That's good. I want to cycle back to the relationship with your stepmom and your dad. Now that you are an adult, what does that relationship look like now versus how it was then? Yeah, we have done a lot of work. (laughs) Thank God. Um, So the easy one is my dad. I mean, I think I have always... um, He's my only surviving parent, you know, so I've always felt very close. I mean, I was a daddy's girl, you know, I'm his only biological daughter. And so I'm the oldest. And so I've always been a daddy's girl. Um, But I think we have such a sweet relationship now, especially because he is no longer involved in, you know, um, some of the addictions that he previously um, had. And so he's so much more clear minded to be able to have and cultivate a loving relationship with me, with my children. Um, But that took a lot of intentional work. Um, We're also living in close proximity. I live in the building that he owns. And so we get to see each other a lot. And so that helps. When it comes to my stepmom, we have a very neutral relationship. I'll call it that. Um, When I had my daughter, my stepsister was pregnant at the same time. So, you know, we got the experience kind of a bonding over motherhood together a little bit. Um, Still very casual, though. You know, we're cordial, but it's not deep, you know, Mm -hmm. and I've tried to create a little bit of a deeper relationship over the years, but um, it just hasn't happened. And I have peace with that. Mm. Before you made peace with that, did that feel like another loss for you with a mother figure? Absolutely. It felt like a rejection because it Mm. was like, why am I not good enough for you to see me as a daughter, you know, or want to have this deep relationship with me? Um, But kind of what we talked about, I recognized that I didn't see a whole lot of depth in her other relationships. And so I couldn't take it personal. You know, I was like, maybe that's just not what she does. You know, maybe this is the best that she can give me, you know, and I'm going to accept whatever she can at the capacity that she has. 
It's good. It's what I mean by it's good is uh, accepting. Like mm-hmm. the acceptance piece is what I hear. Yeah. Uh, arising from this conversation, yes, there was significant grief and loss, mm-hmm. but coming into an acceptance, even in the midst of pain. Yeah. And and having your own children and mm-hmm. saying, you know what? Why am I trying to do this by myself? Yeah. How do you think your daughter sees you? Mm. <laughs> um, I always joke with her that I'm a cool mom. Uh, and she's like, mom, if you say you're a cool mom, you're not cool. But I'm like, yeah. But I really, so one of the things I loved about my mom was she was so playful. And she was like mm-hmm. one of those moms that's like, if I'm playing Barbie, she's getting down on the ground with me and playing Barbies too. Um, and so I think that's how I tried to fashion myself as a mother of like, I want to enter into my children's world. Um, and so I would hope that my daughter would think that I'm very approachable, that we can talk about anything, um, and that she enjoys spending time with me, that I'm silly, you know, and all that. Um, and I ask her and remind her often of, you can tell me if this isn't working for you, our relationship, you know, (laughs) like tell me if I'm doing something wrong or if, you know, because I'm like, I don't have framework for this, you know, Mm -hmm. she's about to be 12 and I'm like, my experience with what a mother-daughter relationship looked like ended a couple of years ago, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have to teach me how to be the best mom for you, too. That's very mature. <laughs> yeah. Like a, a very mature yeah. response to help create that mother-daughter relationship mm-hmm. and give your daughter the space to to ask for what she needs. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and where does that stem from? I I honestly don't know. I think I just really wanted to create my own view of parenting, I guess, where I recognize, and, and probably some of my profession too, recognizing developmentally, kids might be at a certain place, but they are people too, just like us, right? And so they have the same emotions that we do. They just come in little packages, you know? And so being able to recognize She's going to feel the same things that I was feeling, you know, at 9, at 10, at 11, even some of the things I feel now in my 30s. And so being able to just kind of level with her and say, tell me what you're feeling. Tell me how the things that we're doing are affecting you. Um, and tell me a little bit about the life that you want to create. And then what's my place in that? Um, again, I'm a therapist, so I probably <laughs> explore a lot of those, you know, um, emotions very You know, more often than most people. Um, But I will say it's been effective. And I think that it has created such a openness and transparency between the two of us that I absolutely love. I love that. (laughs) Taking notes. (laughs) notes. I I really want to know, like, gleaning from your experience with losing your mom at nine, what advice would you give? a surviving parent who may have just experienced that um, and now they're trying to figure out like how to navigate the world without their significant other um, and still raise their children. To allow your children to see your grief. Um, My parents Mm -hmm. were together since they were 14. My mom died when she was 44. So they were together 30 years. They were high school sweethearts and I know that my dad was so affected. I'm like, this is a person you've literally known almost your entire life. Um, You see them reflected in your kids. So to, if he would have invited us, I think, into his grief a little bit more, that could have created such a different dynamic and a closeness that really would have been beautiful. 
you know, of being able to talk about her memory, talk about, you know, so I would just really encourage the surviving parent, as hard as it might be, sometimes as adults, we want to protect children from things, but sometimes we have to teach them how to grieve appropriately, you know, and so being able to do that, um, just by having a conversation of, I'm really sad today, how are you feeling, can be a game changer. Wow. And you you said something key grieving properly. Mm -hmm. So expound on that as we wrap up this conversation. Mm -hmm. How does one grieve properly? Yeah, it looks different for everybody. Um, So listening to what your body and your heart needs and then giving it that, you know, Mm -hmm. in the healthiest way possible. So obviously not addictions or, you know, things like that. But if it's like, I can't do anything today and I just need to lay in bed, give yourself that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's really gifting yourself with whatever you need and honoring your emotions. And that's how you grieve properly. And how have you grieved? By talking about, you know, my mom and celebrating her. And um, I think by just sharing and creating legacy in my family, you know, I make myself a safe space for other people to grieve as well, you know, because I think sometimes people can tiptoe around you if they're not sure like oh it's her birthday it's mother's day how are you feeling and I'm like you can tell me how you're feeling too you know thank you for being there for me but let me also be there for you because just as I had this loss you did too and I think that collective grief can be very healing Mm. thank you Rachel for everything that you shared with us thanks for having me my pleasure